Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Ho, 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 baby! Ho, ho, ho! What is up? Buffalo Fanatics! Z-Bot here with you. Monday night, and it can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Fresh off one of the craziest weekends of NFL football this 2022 season. And fresh off an instant classic. The Bills get it done. Their fifth straight victory in dramatic fashion in the snow globe in Orchard Park, New York. 32-29. The Bills squish the fish on Saturday night primetime. What a game, folks. I'm still jazzed up. We're just hitting... About 48 hours since that game kicked off, and I'm still feeling it. Man, what a game. What a win. And these Buffalo Bills are hitting stride no matter how they're getting it done. They're getting it done nonetheless. Five straight wins, three straight against AFC East opponents. And your Buffalo Bills still remain the number one seed in the AFC. They have a stranglehold on the AFC East. And things are looking mighty good right now if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Welcome into the Smoke Break. So good to have you in here tonight on a Monday night. Really appreciate you joining me. We are just six short days away from Christmas. What the hell? Happy early holidays to you. Um, It's amazing that we're already at this time of year. But a week before uh, Christmas, this past Saturday, the Bills stopped by and gave us an early Christmas gift with the snow and all it truly was a spectacle and I was at that game it was actually believe it or not I know this is crazy because usually I'm at a ton of games every year but just circumstantially this year I don't know what it was I think uh, some of it had to do with the price price increasing some of it had to do with me being out of town every now and then but this was actually the first game all season that I was in attendance for 
And my God, I could not have picked a better one to go to. 32-29, once again, your final from Buffalo on Saturday night. And it was truly an instant classic. And I don't know if I'm just being biased because I was there and witnessed it in person. I think that definitely helped. But don't worry, I've already been home, you know, the last two days re-watching that game multiple times. If you include the live rendition, I have now watched that game in its entirety three times and the final you know, 10 minutes or so of that game, it's still, it, it doesn't get old. It, it is not getting old to me. I don't know if it will anytime soon. The performance we got from Josh Allen was just absolutely extraordinary. The resilience of this team to be able to overcome not only the weather towards the end, and it's remarkable because in that game, <clears throat> excuse me, in that game, you know, we, everybody was expecting a ton of snow. And on my way from Rochester, my dad and I were, heading up to Rochester or excuse me, to Buffalo from Rochester. It's about an hour and a half drive or so on the way there. When we hit Batavia, man, it was, it was snowing like crazy brutal out the, the, uh, the roads were real bad bumper to bumper traffic. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, I mean, you know, this is going to be one of those classic snow games, get to Buffalo. And it, it was more than fine, more than fine. Walk into the stadium. It was beautiful. I, I was layered up ready for, you know, a, a Patriots bills type game like last year, where it was just freezing cold. I had multiple layers on walking in, man. I felt great. It was barely windy. It was, you know, your standard cold quote unquote for this time of year in Buffalo, the snow wasn't coming down. It was perfect conditions. And I felt like the weather was really going to impact this game to some degree. Little did we know that it would wind up doing so just not in the way that we thought. And I think the biggest takeaway when it comes to the weather from this game, because that was being made out to be a big deal. And that's okay because it's Buffalo, right? And you got Miami coming from South Florida and the Bills fans, all of us are still getting ribbed for uh, saying the Bills lost to Miami in week three because of the heat, right? So the weather's always been this weird thing when it comes to the Bills, the Dolphins this season. So that was a storyline. Then, of course, that we were supposed to get a bunch of snow. That was a storyline to, uh, has not played well in cold weather. That was a storyline, and it didn't wind up being one. The storyline when it comes to the weather from that game was how much it amplified the experience at the stadium in that fourth quarter. I tweeted this out right after the game. I said it felt like a Disney movie in the way the snow started to come down almost simultaneously when the Bills started their comeback and inevitably got to the victory at the end. And that leads to the players wiping the snow off the field to allow Bass to kick it. That leads to Bass sliding like a soccer player in the snow after he makes the game winner. All the boys doing snow angels on the field. So when I look at this game, just to get this out of the way, the weather factor is what took that game over the top when it comes to entertainment value, because when that snow started falling and it all started coming together for the bills, it really just, it was picturesque and it was Disney script, you know, in its purest form playing out in real life. So as I said, I was there at the game, but I wasn't the only one. And I wanted to bring on a good friend of mine who you might not have seen in a while because he's been busy with college, but because Christmas is right around the corner, that means the college boys and girls are out on break. I remember I love this time of year in college. You get that nice long break during 
the uh, the Christmas holiday. And uh, Evan, my main man, Evan Harrington, he's on Christmas break right now, and he was also at that game enjoying it with me, even though we didn't run into each other. We, we were enjoying it together in spirit nonetheless, Evan. Great to have you on. I'm stoked to talk about your experience as well as my experience being at that one because, Ev, if you're like me, man, it just felt like I was just talking about with the snow and, and the way things ended there, just being there. It just felt magical. Talk to me about your experience being in the stadium, especially at the end of the fourth quarter where things really started to pop off. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, it's good to be back. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on uh, one of the BF shows and I'm back with my return on Zbots Monday night. So yeah, just my experience at the game in general, right? Early in the week, you're expecting this six to nine inches of snow that's going to be in the stadium. And like you were mentioning, Zbot, you saw a lot of snow in the Batavia area, yeah. and there was a lot of snow throughout the week leading up into this game. But the Bills obviously did a really good job of tarping off the field and not allowing the snow to really touch the field other than just on the stands. So obviously the first three quarters of the game, there, there was no snow. There was literally no snow in the field of play. Except the only snow that hit the field was the snowball that fans were throwing onto the field. But then... In the fourth quarter, like you mentioned, you called it the Disney movie. Yeah. Where the Bills started rolling and feeling themselves, and then the snow comes down, kind of just adding to the moment. And it was magical. I mean, myself sitting in 114, I just had a beautiful view of the entire stadium and just the snow coming down on it while Josh Allen was leading a magical drive two times in the fourth quarter. And it was just a sensational experience because a lot of the times – when you come to a Bills game, you have those those times in September where the weather's okay, but then, you know, when October, November, and December hits where we're at now, the weather is just, it's just crappy. It, it's yeah. terrible. There's a lot of snow, a lot of bad rain. Like, you just don't have the best experience weather-wise. But I will say, the snow that fell down in the fourth quarter was perfect. Oh, it and was. It played a part of the Bills win. And it was just a sensational experience. I've been to a lot of home games this year. They've been good. The Bills have won a lot. But man, this win with the fourth quarter, the snow, the fans, just the way Josh Allen, you know, got a hang of it in the fourth. Oh my God. It's a game to remember. It is, it is one that I will not forget for a long time. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the snowball situation. And I was thinking about, you know, am I going to talk about that tonight? Because that was, of course, a big deal. And I didn't realize. And it's funny because my dad and I ran to the bathroom um, after one of the breaks in, in the game where there was about to be a kickoff. I can't remember if it was the Bills who scored or the uh, Dolphins who scored. I think the Bills scored and they were kicking off. And that was the snowball delay. And we were in the bathroom. Yeah. So I didn't know it happened. And they had the radio going on in the bathroom, and I could hear Sal Capaccio through the radio in the bathroom <laughs> on the sideline complaining about the snowballs coming down. We got back to the uh, to the seats, and the game was back in play. So I didn't realize till I got home that they had delayed it the way they did. But, of course, yeah. if you were at the stadium, it was beyond the delay. The PA announcer was talking about the snowballs, what seemed like every five, 10 minutes because they were raining down on the field. Now you just mentioned that there was no snow on the field for about three quarters other than the snowballs hitting the field and that being the only snow on it. Ev, I saw a shot on the broadcast. I'm sure all you guys who uh, 
watched the game on television saw this as well. They showed uh, the groundskeeping crew clearing off the snow on the telecast. And you could see right before the game, the field was perfect. There wasn't a thing on there. Ev, I was in the end zone where Bass made the field goal. That's where I was sitting. The right and left corners of those end zones were covered in snow just because of the snowballs. I don't know, you know, exactly where you were sitting or who was around you, how that all went down. But what was your take on that whole thing? Because that in itself was an experience. Yeah. So I sit in section 114. And for anyone who doesn't know where that is, that is on the opposing team sideline, just about on the 20. So I'm kind of sitting right there. And I will say right now, I actually ended up getting hit by a snowball from the threes. So I'm just sitting there. It's like right about to be the third quarter. And some guy throws one from the threes and it like, like just cuffed my chin a little bit and just hit me right in the leg. And I mean, I mean, man, I mean, I felt it. It didn't hurt or anything, but I definitely felt it. But, you know, people were saying, oh, it was a bunch of, you know, Bills fans throwing the snow. It was a lot of Dolphins fans as well. Um, and I remember this instant at the end of the game when Josh Allen did his post-game interview for NFL Network at the desk. That's where I sit. He's that's like my okay. section, right, right so in front you of him. And I were dead opposite. I was in the. If you're looking straight, I was in that dead opposite corner. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you were over there. So like Josh Allen's right in front of me, and a Miami fan literally pulls out a snowball, throws one at like near Josh, and then he tries another one. I'm like, dude, like you're gonna get arrested because they said in the stadium, yeah. if if you throw one and hit a player, you will be subject to arrest. I'm like, dude, oh, yeah. like, like don't do it. You're gonna get arrested. And when we all, he started, you know, he got talked to by a security guard, but I mean, there was a, a lot of snow being thrown by bills and dolphins fans, you know, at that game. And I mean, a lot of them were landing. I'm pretty sure Tyree kill actually ended up getting hit by one. Um, I, I forgot. It was like a third and six or something. And it like hit him uh, after the play, but still like, that's the thing. I mean, these fans, bills and dolphin dolphins were just relentless with these snowballs and, I mean, it's going to happen. Um, I mean, especially when you have snow in the stands, like, you know, fans are going to have their fun. To put a bow on the snowball situation, I got two takes on it. One, like you just said, if you weren't at the game, this is how it went down when you got to your seat. You look at the field, it looks perfect. You look at your seat, there's about a foot of snow on every single row of seats. So it's there. And you got about 70,000 people within that stadium. I would venture to say more than half are belligerent. That is going to result in some snow making its way onto the field. We've seen plenty of things make their way on the field beyond snow, dildos, et cetera. So if you're thinking that, you know, unlimited ammunition at your disposal isn't going to make its way onto the field, you're wrong. But I will say it did start to die down when the PA announcer, and this, this is no word of a lie. I don't know. I don't think it was shown on the broadcast. But Josh Allen on one of the drives in the end zone I was sitting at, he comes over to the to the stadium and he's basically telling everybody to stop throwing the snowballs because the PA announcer kept saying, you know, like you just said, you'll be subject to arrest and the Bills will get a 15-yard penalty. Yeah. Um, he kept saying that. So Josh Allen goes over to the corner. He pretty much signals to the crowd to stop. The PA announcer says, attention, Bills fans, listen to Josh Allen. And then he says his whole spiel again about the 15-yard penalty and the subject to arrest. I got to tell you, Ab, after that, I saw at least half less uh, yeah. get their way out of the field than I did prior to Allen telling the, telling the crowd to chill out. And, and the one thing I will say, 
I mean, I don't know if you were like this throughout the game, but I was just waiting for the Bills to get flagged for one of these. I like, I, I just – And it was pissing me off. I, Why? You know, no, that was my thing. I'm like, there was a few people in my section that were throwing. I'm like, guys, guys, like, just stop throwing them. I'm like, we, we have a chance to, you know, beat the Dolphins and potentially wrap up the AFC East and get the one seed in the AFC. I'm like, we cannot have this derailed by some fan – just wanting to throw a snowball and it for some reason hits Jalen Waddle or Tyree kill on the sideline. I'm like, just, just don't do it. And that was like the only thing going through my mind for about 15 minutes was that the only way the bills are going to lose this game is going to be because of a fan bills or dolphins throwing a snowball in a winter, in a winter game and it hitting one of the dolphins players. I'm like, that's the only way we're going to lose if we, if we did. And we did not. That is the ultimate takeaway from that game. What a game. I'll never forget it on the on the gigantic list of games that I have attended. That is on a very, very short list. It was that great. And it really all comes down to the fact that that fourth quarter was just legendary for so many reasons, especially from Josh Allen. Literally just put himself in superhero mode, put the team on his back, and carried the Bills to victory. It was, it was extraordinary, Ev. Just give me your take on witnessing Allen. And I, I guess I got, and I also got to say Dorsey here, witnessing Dorsey, just ha- not that Allen doesn't have control of the offense, but you know, there's, there's gotta be some restraint, but it just felt like in that fourth quarter, Dorsey dropped the keys in Allen's hands. And he said, look, man, I, I, I'm not, I'm not here to, to keep the seatbelt on you anymore. You put this thing on, put it in drive and you drive this thing anywhere it's got to go to get this done. And he did just that. Walk me through, you know, just your overall experience witnessing Allen take this team, propel them to victory in a way that really only Josh Allen and maybe a couple other guys in this league can do. Yeah, I mean, it's going to start with the first half. At the end of the first half, we saw Josh Allen make a superhero play to score the Bills' third touchdown of the first half. And after that, this offense went stall. It wasn't moving yes. the football. Josh Allen had a big turnover. The offense went five drives in a row without even mustering any points. And at this point, the Dolphins are up by five. Fourth quarter hits. We need something out of Josh. What does yep. Josh do? Josh does what only Josh and, like you mentioned, a few other guys in the NFL can do. Musters the Bills back into the game. Gets them, you know, at that point, the game – uh, you know, tying points, they, they were down by eight. And again, at that point, it's, you know, 29-29. And Josh got us to a point. Bill's defense makes a stop. And now there's 5.56 remaining. Josh Allen, we need a drive out of you. We need a drive. What does Josh Allen do? He gets us down the field in five minutes and 54 seconds. And with two seconds remaining, Tyler Bass comes onto the field and kicks the game-winning field goal. And that just, you know, has to do a lot with Josh Allen being the type of player he is. And we have to also credit Ken Dorsey to this too because Ken Dorsey called a much better game than he did in past weeks. I would say this game and potentially the game against the Patriots were probably two of his better uh, called games of the season. And, you know, a lot of it has to do uh, which is quick rhythm throws, whether that's to, yes. you know, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley a couple times, Devin Singletary, you know, letting Dawson Knox go downfield. It's something we haven't seen all season long. Just, you know, easier plays for Josh Allen, running more 11 personnel, because uh, that's what Josh Allen thrives in at 11 personnel. And, 
again, Josh delivered, and only a few quarterbacks in the National Football League can do what he does. And Josh showed big time that, hey, I can win in these big moments. I can take my team down the field and not only tie a game like this, but win it for us as well in the conditions that were uh, being played in. And I think Josh Allen, uh, you know, kind of shut up a lot of people, especially in the national media, um, you know, two days ago in the victory against the Dolphins, because there is there was a narrative for a while that the Bills can't win close games. The Bills can't, you know, just come back and, and win these big games. Josh Allen isn't clutch per se, but we've seen now over the last few weeks, Josh Allen kind of finding himself and that elbow of his is getting a little bit better. And again, that was on full display, especially in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins on Saturday night. I think the narrative as of late more so has been that Allen just hasn't played very well. And there's plenty of arguments to have that narrative, you know, come true if that's what you want your narrative to be. I mean, there really is a ton of examples you you could use in order to say, Hey, look at Allen has not been playing very great now. I mean, to me, it hasn't been great, but it hasn't been bad. It just hasn't been superhero Allen that we saw on Saturday night. But like you just said, it's one of those games where when you need him the most, he shuts everybody up. And I think anytime, no matter what the setting is, but especially in an AFC East grudge match or rematch with so much on the line in that type of setting, over 300 yards in the air, four touchdowns and over 70 yards on the ground will shut anybody up. If you have, even remotely a negative thing to say about the guy that night for Allen was just one for the books. And a lot of that success came in the red zone, an area the bills have struggled in. That's no secret. They did not, they did not struggle in the slightest against the Miami dolphins in the red zone. It might not have come easy, but the most electrifying plays of this entire game for the Buffalo bills came in the red zone. And as Jason Millard says here with the super chat, appreciate you, Jason. He's saying four for five in the red zone. That was the game-winning field goal uh, in which we didn't get a touchdown in the, uh, in the red zone. I think that's what Jason's saying. Best stat of the game, and he's spot on. I mean, that is an area where the games are won and lost, and you could really argue that is where Miami lost this game. They had multiple opportunities to score touchdowns in the red zone, and they did not. The Bills capitalized in very dramatic fashion. One that I want to talk to you about in particular, Evan, is the play right before half. There's eight seconds left, no timeouts, Everyone in the stadium's watching the clock as Allen drifts to the right. And you realize this is either going to be a score or we're going to halftime with nothing. And this crowd's going to be pissed. But in an Allen, typical Allen fashion, essentially falling out of bounds, somehow finds James Cook touchdown. And that was truly one of the plays of the year. Your reaction when you saw Allen make that play and then your reaction prior to it leaving his hands knowing, holy shit. The clocks ran out. It, what, what the hell is happening? Yeah, so I'm just watching Josh Allen before the snap. I'm just like, okay, there's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure seven seconds left in the half. I'm just expecting a quick drop back and, and a quick throw to maybe on a on a fade ball to Knox or, or Diggs or something. But Josh holds it. And then he just makes a play that only certain quarterbacks in the league can make. And he's just holding onto it, holding onto it. And I'm looking, I'm like, Time's about to expire. It's either now or never. And lo and behold, Josh Allen makes a play that was just simply sensational. And he gets it to not Diggs, not Knox, not Gabe Davis, not the return of Cole Beasley, not even Devin Singletary. He gets it 
to the rookie running back, second round pick, James Cook. Now, this is the thing that I love about Josh Allen. He trusts every single guy that is on the field. He doesn't look and say, oh, there's a running back on the field. You know, there's this guy we just called it from the practice squad. He goes, hey, if you're out here with me, I trust you. I trust you enough to be out here. And when he was in a situation where it's either points or no points, he trusts his rookie running back, James Cook, well enough that I'm going to make a play and all you have to do is follow my lead and just catch the ball, go down. And we got, you know, a big lead going into the second half. And I mean, man, I'm just watching that. And I, you know, I saw James Cook catch the ball and I'm just like, you have better caught that ball. Cause if, you know, we don't have that, then, and then we're going into half with a lead, but a very much smaller one than, than we could have had if, if we didn't get any points there. But again, it just goes to tell you, and it goes to show you just, just who Josh Allen is. He's a superhero. He's a man amongst men. He's phenomenal. And you're not going to see too many plays like that. And we see plays like that out of him once in a while. And, you know, here and there, you'll see an interception or you'll, you'll see a boneheaded play he'll make, but more times than not, he's going to make some, some insane and, and just jaw dropping plays from that. And we love to see those, uh, especially as Bill's mafia watches that in person or on TV. I like the point you made about, you know, him having trust in just about anybody. That's how you get four touchdowns to four different guys, including Quentin Morris, of all people. It really just goes to show you, Allen does not discriminate when it comes to sharing the ball. If you're open, if you're able to get in the end zone, Allen will find you. Uh, Ab, before I let you go here, I want to talk about, a, you know, where, where what you felt in the game, uh, or what moment in the game, rather, where you felt, I don't know if this is going to happen tonight for the Bills. There were plenty for me where it just felt like this is going to get away from us, and they somehow pulled the rabbit out of the hat. But there's multiple to choose from. Was there a specific moment for you where it just felt like it wasn't going to be their night? I'm going to be honest. It probably probably was when Josh Allen got strip-sacked at midfield while Thank the you. Dolphins were up five points at that time. And I'm just sitting there. I just looked to my dad. I looked to the guy to my left that I, that I sit with every game. I'm just like, and I, I just don't know if this is it just because the dolphins were kind of rolling at that point in time. They started finding some momentum and they started really getting comfortable in the elements they were playing in. But again, you just got to credit the bills defense. They only held them to three. And at that point, when the defense held them to three, that like five minute, sense that I'm like, I don't know if the bills are going to be able to pull one out tonight, just completely left. Cause I know this is still a one score game and you know, there's still a lot of time to do so. But if the dolphins took that five point lead when it was 26 to 21 and, and, you know, scored another touchdown and made it potentially 33 to 21 for me, that was like, okay, I, that might be it, but the defense kind of saved me and save, save my anxiety from ramping up even more than it probably needed to probably needed to do so well good i'm right there with you but you know what i keep saying every single week because it's been different every week it feels like ugly electrifying like saturday it doesn't matter just find a way baby and then hopefully this coming saturday on christmas eve we get one more present before santa actually comes down i can't wait yeah right and and, and i will say this because uh, obviously we do have the bears uh, yes. on our schedule next for fantasy purposes, I need fields to maybe score two or three touchdowns. Um, the Bills are still getting, you know, win by win, win by three scores, but 
just for the purpose of my fantasy team, uh, I'm moving on to the second round. So I do need fields to, um, to kind of pull through for me with uh, the rest of my guys on IR. Look, and it's easy for you to say, I'd probably be saying the same thing if I didn't lose this weekend in the, in the fantasy playoffs, didn't even put up a hundred of, so I understand where you're coming from, but I unfortunately have nothing to root for this coming weekend, but the bills. So Here's to hoping Fields gets a touchdown for you, and then that's the end of that. But what they did to Philly the other night, or the other day, rather, or yesterday, rather, I keep forgetting what day it is. Yeah. I think that game's going to be a lot closer than people anticipate, and I'm looking forward to it. So, I also want to ask you one more thing. Do you think sure. uh, do you think Josh Allen's propelled himself back into the MVP combo? Going to have a whole segment on it later. I All really right. do think with Hurts going down with the performance uh, on Saturday night, um, I really do think out of nowhere – the discussion has gone from, I really don't think he's got a chance anymore to hold the phone. I really think he might've put himself back into the conversation. Because Hertz may have to sit out this week versus the Cowboys. Yep. And if they somehow beat the Cowboys with Gardner Minshew, they get the one seed and that might have Hertz sit out for the rest of the year. And we know how that happens with Philadelphia quarterbacks when they get, you know, kind of injured or they sit out for a good amount of the year. Carson Wentz 2017, he didn't win the MVP when he, probably should have if he played the rest of the year so you know josh allen could probably sneak his way back in with a few more performances and uh with a couple down ones from mahomes and a couple down ones from hertz you know maybe allen just kind of sneaks his way back in and uh pulls an mvp out of nowhere if it's anything like 2017 gardner Minshew will come in the eagles will win the super bowl and they'll build a trophy of uh They'll build a trophy of Gardner Minshew outside of the uh, stadium like they did with uh, Nick Foles. <laughs> That's what you can right. look forward to. Right. I'm, I'm, imagine just in like 25 years at the Eagles stadium, there is just a a super – or just a, you know, a thing of Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. And you're trying to explain to like your kid or like yeah. your whatever. You're like, oh, those must have been two of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. Like, no, it's just – right. One, right. One of them was. Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Gardner Minshew. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, hey, Ev, thanks for hopping on, sharing your experience, because there was plenty to share. And Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you, my brother. I'm sure I'll see you beforehand, but if I don't, enjoy yeah. the holiday. And uh, let's get it done on Sunday, brother. Yeah, right. And I'll probably make my way on uh, someone else's show throughout the week. Yeah, but sure. if not, uh, everyone listening, have uh, have a good holidays and Happy New Year. Awesome, brother. Thanks so much, Ev. That's Ev Harrington. You all know him. He's back on the prowl. He's currently on Christmas vacation from college you love to see it. It's the best time of the year if you're a college student. You get all those exams done, and now you're chilling, and it's just playoff football, holidays, family time, kicking your feet up. Good stuff. We got so much more to talk about. I know we're a half hour in, but you know there's no time limit on the smoke break. We're going to go until I say we're done, and we got a ton to talk about tonight. I'm going to start from the ground up. We're going to go through everything in this game because this was one of my all-time favorites. Like I said earlier on the top of the show, I don't know if it was just me being there or if it's just my unbridled hatred for the Dolphins, mixture of both. I just loved everything about this game, and it's really on a short list of one of my favorites ever. Absolutely loved it. Let's get a couple of house-cleaning things out of the way, though, first. Like I keep mentioning, it is the holidays and we are six days away from Christmas. And I love this time of year because like I just said, you got football, you got family and you got the holidays. Those are three amazing things. And I want to celebrate it with all you guys. So currently we are in the middle of the holiday giveaway week. I got my Santa suit on all week over on Twitter at ZBot Tweets. I am giving away Bill's Mafia gifts all week long. 
opening up my bag of presents and dishing them out to members of Bill's Mafia. And right now, I'm giving away the man, the myth, the legend himself in miniature form. I'm giving away a Josh Allen Funko Pop right now. The giveaway ends tomorrow at 4 o'clock. That's when I announce the winner. So if you want to get in on that, head over to my Twitter, at Tweets. All you got to do is retweet that thing, and you're automatically entered to win. And that is uh, just the first of many giveaways this week. Going to be giving away a ton of stuff. And I'll give you a sneak peek as to what the next giveaway is. You see this bad boy right here? These just came out today. If you want to see the full graphic, it's over on my Twitter. But Wegmans partnered up with uh, the Bills, and they – let me get a better shot here for you. It's not a very good shot. I'm sorry. But the Bills partnered up with uh, Wegmans, and they're selling this merch, T-shirts, sweatshirts, and posters, full-size posters of the Buffalo Bills' top players in comic book superhero form this is a full-size 18 by 24 poster that's the next giveaway that i'll be doing tomorrow so you guys are the first to hear it you'll be the first ones on it this thing is sweet you got josh allen spearheading the charge here in the middle they got tyler bass on this thing where is he he's right here you know what uh, yeah i'm so bad at it I'm, I'm always going to the opposite side i can never get used to that they got tyler bass on this thing though and his and his legs on fire because he's, he's bass money he's always on fire um, this thing is sweet. Giving away a full poster of that tomorrow. And like I said, the Funko Pop, which is right over my shoulder here, I'm giving that away right now. And speaking of the holidays and gifts and all that fun stuff, we got a new partner here at the Buffalo Fanatics. And these guys make one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And you're staring at it right now. It's the Tailgate Mafia. And here's what the Tailgate Mafia has to say about this little thing you see right on your screen here. Uh, every day, or everybody knows rather, that Buffalo has the greatest fans of all time. It's about damn time. Someone gave us a trophy for it. The tailgate touchdown figurine celebrates Buffalo's world-famous game day tradition of breaking tables, featuring Buffalo's unofficial mascot, Shout, who's the broken table right there. How cool is that? This trophy is the perfect gift for any true Bills fan. Get your tailgate touchdown today at the link you see on your screen right there, tailgatemafia.com. Also, make sure you download football's only app dedicated to tailgating. Type Buffalo Table Slam in the App Store and start breaking tables in augmented reality right now. Folks, we have come full circle when it comes to technology. You can slam a table right now on your phone not right now you're watching the smoke break but when you're done with the smoke break head over to the tailgatemafia.com slam a table on your phone and maybe check out one of these awesome statues they're selling pierre sending me one this week i can't wait to get one of those in hand it's freaking sweet love that and then last thing before we get a lot to talk about but i have a new partner as well and they are the coolest company on the face of the earth right now they are bridging together Digital and physical sports collectibles. Two of my favorite things. I got the physicals right here. We got the digital right here. You guys know if you follow me on Twitter, I'm a huge NFL all-day guy. That's the NFL digital moments that they sell. Right here, you can see Stephon Stephon Diggs' uh, touchdown catch on the side of the end zone. An absolute beautiful catch. This is a rare Stephon Diggs moment right here, and it's on display on my nifted 
display right here. My Nifted Desk Series display just partnered up with Nifted. They are the coolest company ever. What they do is they take your digital collectibles and put them in physical form on this touchscreen here where I can display all of my digital sports cards um, on this screen. It's freaking cooler than hell. Uh, it loops nonstop on my desk. So while I'm talking to you here, I can look down and watch Diggs put up six. Uh, we have so much going on with Nifted, so much. We're doing giveaways um, starting very soon. We're going to be doing a ton of them. And believe it or not, it gets way cooler than this desk version. They are coming out with a 32-inch version of the Nifted screen. And I am going to be getting one in the near future that's going to be on display in my new studio. And you guys, I cannot begin to tell you how cool that thing's going to be. And I may or may not be giving one of those away in the near future. So make sure to keep it locked on my Twitter for all this good stuff. We got giveaways, partnerships, you name it. We got it. Bots got you. The fanatics got you. Okay. Enough of that. That's out of the way. We got some damn football to talk about and we got some great football to talk about Saturday night's game. And I can't say this enough. It was just extraordinary. An instant classic to me. When I think about the bills and the dolphins, this game will always come to mind for me. Just the way it ended the way we got to how it ended, the snow coming down, and ultimately Josh Allen's performance. Josh Allen's performance to me was one that I think we really needed to see before the playoffs started. Because as Evan and I were just addressing, there have been several games strung together where Allen you know, hasn't played particularly bad, but it also hasn't been that MVP-style Josh Allen that we've seen several times throughout his career, most notably early on in the season uh, coming out of the postseason. He had those you know, few games in a row there where he had multiple turnovers and people were scratching their heads saying, what's going on with Josh Allen? But no matter what's going on with Josh Allen, as of late, the Bills are currently on a five-game win streak. They've won three in a row against AFC East opponents, all three in which could possibly make the playoffs at least one additional will, you think. You think. Who the hell knows what's going to happen now? The uh, the AFC playoff picture has been put on top of its own head. We will take a look at that later on in the show because things are changing up like crazy. But the one thing that hasn't changed is those Buffalo Bills are currently at the number one spot still after week 15. And I really thought they were going to have a two-game lead on those Chiefs. The Houston Texans almost did it for us. It was too good to be true. It was too good to be true, but when they got the stop in overtime and got the ball back, I, I really started believing. And then, of course, the first play for the Texans in overtime, strip sack win for the Chiefs. But it just goes to show you, every week, every one of these teams is vulnerable. We got the Bears coming up. They played Philly super tough. Houston last week, they played Dallas really tough. Speaking of Dallas, they just lost to Jacksonville, who's all of a sudden on fire. How about those Detroit Lions? If you haven't felt great about how the Bills have played the last month or so, they've won every single game in the last month and a half, but that Bills game. How great does that win look today? So no matter what you thought about Josh Allen as of late, he's done enough to get the job done, and it hasn't been nearly as bad as people want to make it out to believe. Just because Allen hasn't been putting the Superman cape on every snap doesn't mean he's still not the Josh Allen that we've come to know and love. And Saturday, he gave everybody a much-needed reminder of who he is, how much he means to this team, and his capabilities of quite literally putting the entire team on his back and leading 
this team to victory. That is exactly what he did on Saturday night in a performance that we won't soon forget. 25 of 40 for Josh Allen, 304 yards through the air, four touchdowns. The key here, zero interceptions. I know we had the strip sack. He was under pressure a lot in this game, as he usually is lately with this offensive line. But no interceptions again after a trend of him throwing multiple back-to-back-to-back in several games, he has eliminated from uh, he has eliminated that element from his game as of late, and in a game that was just massive, you love to see a big goose egg next to that INT category. Finish the day with 119.2 passer rating. It doesn't get much better than that. And just when you thought it didn't get better, because I could read you that stat line and that'd be plenty, right? It got better. 10 carries, 77 yards on the ground, including that legendary 44-yard rush and that even more legendary. Superman style QB sneak for the two point conversion, just an unbelievable performance. Um, so let's overall start with my, you know, experience at this game. I, like I said earlier, haven't been to a game all year. It's crazy. And I'm, I'm glad we're in this part of the year because I knew I was going to be going to this game. And then I'm going to the Cincinnati game in Cincinnati in two weeks, two weeks from tonight. That Monday nighter and with Cincy playing as good as they are, that game is going to be massive. I've never been to the Bengals stadium. I've never really interacted with Bengals fans. So that game is just going to be incredible. Um, But I haven't been to a game yet this year. And I, like I said earlier, I just don't think you could have possibly have chose a better one. So on the way there, it's just really bad weather thought that was going to be a factor. And it just wasn't. It really wasn't everybody all week making it out to be a big deal. Kept talking about how poorly Tua was supposed to play because of this weather. Talking about how it was just going to be a grudge match, a lot of running, right? Allen's going to have the upper hand because of his ability to throw in the snow and Tua's inability to do so. All of that was out the window. The game kicked off and the weather was more than fine all the way until about the last 10 minutes of this game. And that's what just made it poetic. When that snow hit, it just made everything happening that much better. The game got off to a bit of a slow start, but once that slow start was in the back, the back seat, you know, the game the rest of the way was firmly in the driver and passenger seat cruising, and it did not stop until the fourth quarter hit zeros. So I walk into that stadium. Uh, I think Aaron Williams led the charge. That was cool. Fireworks, of course, under the lights was amazing. That crowd was rocking, you know, shirtless people, those lunatics in that snow. You'll never see me doing that. God bless anybody who does. The snowballs, of course, you've heard enough of it by now. That was everywhere. Um, The crowd was as rowdy and just electric as I've ever seen it. And I had an amazing time at this game. The people I was surrounded with were just awesome. You know, you're going to be in for a good night when the game is already off to a great start. You know, it's going to be a good game throughout and the people around you are into it as much as you are. And what I mean by that is you don't even have to think twice about hugging or high-fiving the guy or gal next to you when something good happens. That's the type of crowd that I had around me. And it got even better than that. I walk into the stadium and I hear Z-Bot and I look behind me and it's two fans of the show who just so happen to be father and son. And if you've listened to me at any capacity over the years here, you know how much the father son Buffalo Bills bond means to me. Hell, I was there with my dad. As we walked in, I saw my man Harrison 
and I saw my man Don, who are big fans of the Buffalo Fanatics and the smoke break. They sat right behind my dad and I, and I must have high-fived and hugged Don and Harrison a million times. So if you guys are watching tonight or at some point in the future, it was so great spending the the game with you. What a game to be able to spend together, and it was so great meeting you guys. Thanks so much for being a fan of the show. But I'm walking into the stadium, and I hear Z-Bot. These guys are sitting right behind me, and we had an absolute ball. So the game kicks off, and like I said, you know, you get off to that slow start on both sides. Um, You know, you you, you get that first drive for Miami to kick the game off. They wind up punting. You get that first drive for the Bills. They wind up punting, and then it was just full throttle from there. Now, there's a lot of things that you can look at in this game and take away from it. I mean, there's plenty, and a lot of it has to do with how well the Bills played, in particular on offense. But there was a lot of things in this game that I think go overlooked because of how dramatic it wound up finishing and how well Josh Allen played. If you look at this one, if you go back and watch it, and you really you know, have an eye for detail, and, and you already know what happens, and you're able to kind of put the pieces together as to how we got to that final outcome. Miami, you could really argue, lost this game in the first quarter in addition to a couple of other major errors that really wound up screwing them in this game. We talk about the red zone efficiency for the Bills in this one, four for five. It was an extraordinary day for the Bills getting it into the end zone. But for Miami, they really could have put a stranglehold on this game early on or at least made it a barn burner, high-scoring type game early on if they had better play calling and better execution. We all know how well the Miami Dolphins got off to in this game running the ball, and they wound up bailing on it, and it really wound up costing them when it comes to the final outcome. I look at two drives in particular in the first quarter that really wound up putting Miami at a disadvantage when you look at the outcome and you look back to the first quarter and say, man, if things gone differently there, we could be looking at a different circumstance here. So Miami gets all the way down the field on their second drive. They're running the ball really well. It just felt like every first down for Miami was a handoff to Moster, who got at least five, six yards. I mean, that was the type of night for the Miami Dolphins when it came to running the ball, at least early on. They were having their way with the Bills' D running the ball, but at the most critical times, they would wind up moving away from it. And that's when the bills D was able to make a play and save themselves from what seemed like an inevitable implosion multiple times throughout the game. And that's where I want to start because it has a lot to do with the beginning of the game as well as the end of the game. And I think that's where this game winds up being defined. The easy takeaway from Saturday night was that the Buffalo bills defense played bad. They played poorly, got ran all over. Waddle had a big day. There was multiple explosive plays that wound up giving Miami the ability to put points on the board. Go back and watch that game, and you'll realize quite quickly that that Bills defense made several plays that wound up making the result of this game a Bills W in the left side of the win-loss column. Yes, they got ran over early on. Mostert has had his way in the first quarter. Seven carries for 100 yards in the first quarter. And it just felt like it was going to be that type of day 
where the Bills offense was going to have to continuously drive down the field and put up points, which they did for the most part outside of the third quarter. But it just felt like, wow, this is just going to be another one of those games where the Bills D is not going to be able to stop the run. They're going to get all the way down the field, chew the clock up. Allen's going to you know, have less opportunity out on the field because of it. In the first quarter, Miami was having their way. And on the second drive, they run and chip their way all the way down the field. And they get into the red zone. And it's inevitable at this point they're going to score. But you know if you're playing the Bills, especially at home, especially in prime time, you got to score touchdowns. Field goals aren't going to cut it. You know if you're playing the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the top offenses in this league, you have got to put touchdowns on the board when you're in the red zone or you're going to lose. Miami, second drive all the way down the field. Check down to Mostert for 20. Waddle for 15. You blink and all of a sudden they're in scoring territory. It's first and 10. They run the ball for a significant gain. Second and 10. They run the ball all the way up to one yard before the sticks. It's third and one. And McDaniel bails on the run. You had just ran the ball for four and a half yards of carry the first two snaps of that series. Or that set of downs, rather. You had just ran the ball for four and a half yards on that set of downs, and you had clearly established the run already. Yet they go to Tua on a third and one situation. And Shaq Lawson makes a huge play. Huge play. Sacks Tua, and that ultimately winds up forcing Miami to kick a field goal. So it's 3 nothing instead of what could have been 7 nothing, or at least a longer drive for Miami. And I understand you want to switch things up. You're not going to run it every time it's third and short. But Miami did this numerous times throughout the game. The other big error in the first quarter wasn't necessarily that type of error, but just a mind-numbing drop that if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you're still kicking yourself tonight, knowing that had you gotten in the end zone there, things could have wound up being different. Tua throws a perfect ball low to Sherfield on third and goal. He's wide open, nobody near him. All he's got to do is bring it into his chest, and they put up a touchdown. He flat out drops it. So two of the three drives in the first quarter, and these two drives were back-to-back. Miami was right on the doorstep, and they only walk away with six total points when at the very, you know, at the very worst, you're hoping two drives when you get right near the end zone, you got to get at least 10 out of that. Six is not going to cut it, especially when you saw what the Bills were starting to put together as they entered into the second quarter. So those two drives to me in the first quarter, looking back on that game, were massive for the Bills when it comes to how this game wound up playing out. Um, You also look at the variety of mistakes that Miami made throughout this game. And you got to be absolutely just kicking yourself. Looking back on that, knowing a lot of these were self-inflicted and the game could have been dramatically different. The one, that I, the, the one that I think that stands out the most are those two that come from the first quarter. But there's also a few more at the end that I think are overlooked but were significant towards the outcome. Third and one in Bill's territory after the strip sack that we were touching on earlier with Evan. 
third and one, they're in Bill's territory. If they get into the end zone on this drive, the game's essentially over. Once again, it's third and one. A similar circumstance to what they had going on earlier in the game. Third and one. They throw the ball instead of running. And on that play, it's caught and stuffed right at the line of scrimmage. And the Dolphins are forced to settle for a field goal. Huge. I do not understand on numerous occasions why McDaniel did not run the ball. They bailed this Bills off, this the Bills defense out. Now, to the Bills D's credit, and this is where I say you can't look at that game and take away a poor performance mentality when watching that Bills D because when they needed to make a play the most, it just felt like they did. On that play, right, earlier in the game, that sack on Tua that I was just referring to. There were numerous times throughout this game where it felt like either Teron Johnson make a, made a big play, Matt Milano made a big play, Tredavious White made a big play, Poyer in the end zone on Hill made a big play. In totality, it felt like they got passed on because of Waddle's numbers or because Tyreek had nine. It felt like they got ran on because uh, of Mostert's early success. But Mostert had 100 yards in the first quarter. On seven carries. He finished the day with 136 overall. The Bills held him to 12 yards on average over the next three quarters after the first quarter. It seemed like he had a massive day, and he did. But when you watch the game back, it wasn't as dominant as it as it seems on paper. He had that massive 68-yard run that put the Dolphins in scoring territory. Outside of the first quarter and that major run, the Bills did a good job of not allowing their ability to run for success on first down, get in the way of them ultimately stopping them from getting in the end zone. And that's what I've been talking about with this Bills D all year. They'll bend. They will bend. They'll give you yards. They'll give your wide receiver a career day if it's Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Waddle had a great day on Saturday night like I just kept referring to. They'll give that to you, certainly. But when it comes time to make the big play, it just seems like there's always a guy who steps up and does it. And it felt like on numerous occasions on Saturday night against this Dolphins team, when they needed it the most, they wound up delivering. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the mentality that I've been preaching since the bye week. I don't care how it looks. I don't care how you get it done. If you find a way situationally to flip the script to your advantage, despite the circumstance, despite the fact that you just let, you know, Mostert run down your throat, or you just let Waddle get an amazing, uh, you know, catch going up over Tredavious White on a poster. When the drive came to an end, the Bills D still wound up getting the victory. It just felt like more times than not, especially towards the end of the game. There's no bigger drive that I can think of when it comes to this Bills D standing on their head than, of course, the drive in which Josh Allen got strip-sacked and Miami took over. That, to me, was the moment in the game where it just felt like the Bills did not have have the luck. They did not have the, the mojo on their side Saturday night in order to propel them to victory. Even though they had played real well up until then, they were fighting hard. They were giving themselves ample opportunity. 
it just felt like when the Bills took over on that drive on the 50-yard line in the first snap of that series was a strip sack for Allen, and they take over in Bills territory, it just felt like, man, that has got to be a nail in the coffin. Instead, Miami, or rather this Bills defense, stepped up to the plate and gave the Bills the opportunity to go down and have that legendary final drive that we'll remember for some time. That, to me, when you think about this game, everybody's going to talk about Allen's long 44-yard run or his incredible touchdown to Cook, which we'll get to all of that. They're going to talk about the two-point conversion. They're going to talk about Dawson Knox's day. Of course, it's Josh Allen. But what's going to get forgot here is the fact that when the Bills D didn't, when the Bills D was bending to the point of breaking, they pushed back and got the job done in order to give this team another life. That drive to me in particular was as, as important to this game as anything that the Bills offense did. Because if they do not wind up getting the stop that they do, the Bills don't even have a chance to go down and execute that legendary six-minute clock-milking, unreal, just you know, multiple third-down conversion, insane play drive. Miami takes over after that fumble. And Tyreek Hill catches it for a first down right afterwards. First play, Tua hits Tyreek Hill, boom, first down. Next play was that lob pass to Jalen Waddell where he goes up on Tredavious White and grabs it. And you're just thinking, man, you know, we gave them one too many chances here. The Bills had the ball. This was the opportunity. They squandered it. And from the first two plays, it just looked like Miami was going to take advantage of it. So you got first and 10 after those two plays. They run the ball, only a yard gain. To me, right here, this play right here, one of the biggest plays of the game. They try to run a screen route to the right side to Tyreek Hill. Teron Johnson, who had an extraordinary day, multiple big-time plays. And when it comes to the defense, right, and it comes to pass breaks up and stuff, I know I'm guilty as hell of this all the time. It's easily forgotten because it's not this star-studded, electrifying play. But this play right here was massive. The Dolphins are driving. They just had two consecutive first-down receptions, and they try to hit Hill on a screen route. Teron Johnson blows it up. The mistake here, to add to the list of Miami errors in this game, the mistake here was that Tyree caught the ball. He went up to catch it, fought hard to catch it. The problem was he was about three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Teron Johnson blew that play up. Blew that play up. And next thing you know, after two great throws and catches to put Miami into scoring territory, they're facing the third and 12. Right? And all of a sudden, you're just like, holy shit. My feeling, my feeling on this game went from we're doomed to Bill's defense just saved the day. And that's why I think it's a real lazy take to look at this game and say, you know, you gave him 29 points. Waddle had a good day statistically. 
Tua played well, way better than I thought he would. He had a decent day statistically, especially based on how he's played the last three games in total. Mostert had a good day on the ground statistically. You look at all that, the easy takeaway, Bills Bills D didn't have a great day. But it's plays like that right there that are going to get forgotten. But we're the ultimate difference because that forces a third and 12. The next snap, Tua throws an incompletion. They have to punt. And that's where the magic happens for Josh Allen. So to me, I wanted to make sure that I said on this show tonight, despite what you you saw on Saturday night at first glance, despite what you see on the stat sheet, this Bills D really did step up to the plate on multiple occasions when it was needed most. In that first quarter, like I said, you sacked two on third and one. Look at, do I think that they should have ran the ball the way that they were playing? Absolutely. Oh my God, yes. I can't, for the life of me, understand why they would run the ball or why they would throw the ball, especially with the way Tua has been playing as of late. Why would you throw the ball on third and one when Mostert has been running for what seemed like five yards minimum every single snap? But you play with the cards you're dealt. And Miami threw the ball, and it's still only one yard at the end of the day. And the Bills D found a way. They found a way. And it's that bend but don't break mentality that is going to wind up being critical in the playoffs. You know, you can look back. You can look back at how this season has panned out since the bye. I know we continuously keep talking about it. But it has been a stark difference between the first half of the year and the second half of the year. But when you look at it, man, think about what the Bills have done over this five-game winning streak. Who's playing better football in the league right now than Detroit? I mean, seriously. That team is damn good. That's the only loss they've had in a month and a half. And then you win three straight divisional games? I don't care who you are, how good you are. That is not an easy task. And it just seems like in every one of these games, both the Bills offense and the Bills defense situationally found a way to get it done. And situational football is ultimately the difference between moving on in the playoffs and packing your shit and getting on the, on the plane. We know all about it, right? There's no more memorable situational type moment than the 13 seconds with Kansas City. Bad situational football on defense. We've pounded it into the ground a million times. Frazier and the defense ran prevent when Kansas City had the ball on their own 20. They broke. All they had to do there was bend enough to get the clock out, but they broke. It just feels like lately this Bills defense, despite injuries, right? Despite allowing points or big days to certain players, They haven't broke. And it has really been a big difference for this team over this five-game win streak. We continuously talk about situational football, right? And I keep mentioning that over the last, you know, few segments here. Keep talking about it. Situational football. What is that exactly? Well, it's those moments in the game, especially on defense, where you just don't quite remember it when you think back on all the highlights but they were pivotal and they were the big difference from a win and a loss. Situational football on offense is much more memorable. And that's where I want to get into the Bills offense right now. 
Who's better in the league currently, situationally, than Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills? It is some of the greatest football I've ever seen from an execution standpoint, ever. This team, in two-minute drills, both before the half and the end of the game, are virtually unstoppable. I don't know what it is that comes over Josh Allen, Ken Dorsey, everybody else out on this field. I don't know what it is, but some sort of divine intervention inserts itself into this offensive unit in the most critical moments. There's plenty to break down from this game offensively, but let's talk about the few drives here that we'll remember for some time. Let's talk about the drive right before the half. So, Early on in the game, it just felt like Miami was going to go tit for tat with the Bills. It just did. It felt like the Bills' D wasn't going to be able to, to dominate the Miami, D, the Miami offense the way we thought they might be able to. We saw Miami really struggle against the L.A. Chargers. We saw them really struggle against a stout defense in the San Francisco 49ers. The reason I personally thought that Miami was going to have a rough day in Buffalo was for two reasons. Well, maybe three. One. They played horrendously on offense against the, the L.A. Chargers, whose defense is much inferior to the Buffalo Bills' defense. Last week in that primetime game, Miami and the Chargers, uh, the Chargers were missing multiple defensive starters, and they held to it at one of the worst quarterback performances in recent memory. They just shut him down. And I looked at that and said, man, the Chargers are banged up on D. Statistically, they have one of the worst D's in this league. And Tua's got to go to Buffalo and play the, play the Bills D? No, no way I see him, you know, flipping the switch in that game. Two. Tua in the cold. That was a real thing. There were multiple games, four or so games in his career, where the weather got cold or the weather got, you know, hairy when it came to the snow or the rain or whatever. And he just did not perform well. He had like a 60 quarterback rating or under in games like that. And you looked at the two games prior against the Chargers and the Niners, and he was awful, terrible. And in a big spot, I just did not feel like he was going to be able to flip the switch himself either. And I got to give credit where credit's due. Tua had a pretty good day based on his recent standards. I thought he was going to crumble in this one. And he didn't. So you realize kind of early on, hey, the blowout or the, uh, you know, the, the trouncing that I thought the Bills might give Miami today, I, I don't think it's in the cards. I think this is going to be a ball game. It kind of it had that vibe early. It really did. It just felt like this game was going to, it was going to be close throughout. You could tell. So with that, you knew the Bills' offense was going to have to have a day. You knew that they were going to have to find ways situationally to gain an advantage. And in the two-minute drill before half and the two-minute drill at the end of the game, that's what separates good teams from great teams, playoff teams from championship teams. There isn't a team in this league right now that I would trust more to score in a situation where points are needed most than the Buffalo Bills. They now currently have 69 total points in the 2022 NFL season. 
in the final two minutes of the first half. 69 points in 14 games. You know how absurd that is? In just two minutes. Two minutes over 15 games. They have somehow turned that into 69 total points. They did it again on Saturday night. And this drive was just unbelievable, especially the way that it ended. So it's second and 10. It's currently 14, 13 bills. And like I just said, you just knew at this point, this game was going to be close throughout. And you're going into half and you know, the bills are getting the ball first. And that two for one would be critical right now. Critical. Putting the, putting the Dolphins on their heels, going into half, knowing they got to give it back to Josh Allen, you're putting them in a real tough spot. I felt like this final drive before the half was going to be a major factor in the final outcome. And, of course, it wound up being so. So second and 10, it's 14 to 13. And they start to get the Allen design run going a bit. We got a preview of what we were going to wind up seeing later on in the game. He rushes for nine. They then hit Stephon Diggs on first and 10 after they wound up getting that first down on a slant route for a chunk for a chunk of yards. Now, that's a play I want to highlight because it happened multiple times throughout the game. You go ahead and look at Stephon Diggs' stat line in this game, and I know he dropped a touchdown and it wasn't his greatest day. He's been held under 100 yards for the last several weeks. I look at that and I say, hey, that to me is a positive. And you're, and you're probably saying, well, but why the hell do you, do you find positivity and Stephon Diggs seemingly having quiet outings. What is that telling you? You look at this Bills offense, and the real, the real only solid elite weapon they have for Allen to utilize is Diggs. Yet over the last handful of weeks, this Bills team hasn't missed a step, and Diggs hasn't had to have, you know, Jerry Rice-type numbers to get there. That, to me, is encouraging. Because you know Diggs is always going to get his. Whether it's, you know, off the charts numbers or, to me, what I found to be in this game, solid, consistent numbers that really wound up helping this team out more than you'd think. Five catches for 60 yards. It's not off the charts. But there were multiple times in this game where Allen hit Diggs on a quick screen route where they needed it most. They did it on the final drive. There were multiple times where this occurred. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Where you're just like, man, when they, need, when they need a first down, when they need to move the sticks, when they need to move down the field, that play is automatic. And it's a, a play I want to highlight because it happened probably three or four times where Allen would just snap the ball immediately throw it, it seems, within a second or two on a slant route for Diggs, and it is virtually unstoppable because Diggs is going to beat you with his route running capabilities 9.5 out of 10 times. We all know that Diggs is one of the best route runners in the league. So right off the line of scrimmage, he's going to beat you. You don't have better footwork than him. You're not going to be able to keep up with him. You match that with Allen's ability to get the ball out faster than just about anybody in this league. You match that with the ability to throw the ball faster than anybody in this league, no debate. And then you put some accuracy on that to where only he can catch it. That play's unstoppable. And they hit that play probably three or four times in this game, including on this final drive. And the funny thing about that play, and one of the other reasons why I wanted to highlight it, is not only do I watch that type of execution on that play and think, man, I wish they did that more often. But I think, you know what? When they need it the most, they run it and they, and they hit it. Final two minutes of the first half, it works. Final drive of the game where they need a first down on third down, it works. So you might look at Stephon Diggs' numbers and say, ah, average day. But I take away two things from that. One, You've been realizing over the last few weeks here, the Bills can win without Diggs lighting up the stat sheet. And two, when you really need Diggs to come through for Allen, you better believe it's going to work. Because that, that duo right there, when you look around this league, there ain't much better than that. So they get a first down on that play. Next play, off to Knox for nine yards, and they're tic-tacking down the field. Now this is where the dropsies kind of came in for Dawson Knox, and you're like, man, because Knox was on his way to a good day, man. Knox was on his way to a good day, and he wound up having an extraordinary day. Unbelievable day for Dawson Knox. But it was at this moment in the game, this final two minutes, where he had those two consecutive drops, and you're just thinking, man, shit. Especially the first drop he had where he was wide open over the middle of the field, just flat out dropped it. Another one of those moments in the game where you're just like, oh, wish you had that back. Then again, though, they just find a way. This to me right here, this was right after the second Knox drop. Another one of those plays from Allen where you're just like, man, this guy, I mean, this, this cyborg alien, not from this human mutant. Who's doing this but this guy? Third and four, Allen immediately under pressure. He bails to the right, ditches off a sack, and they need this first down or else it's going to be a deep field goal. Third and four, rolls to the right, gets out of pressure, off of his back foot, hits Isaiah McKenzie on the run for 19 yards. An absolute gorgeous play. 
the crazy thing is, on this drive, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, going to be tough to top that play. And I bet you, as I'm talking about this, this might be a play that you might not even remember all that much because that's how many great plays Allen had in this game. But this, to me, was one of those ones that I think was underrated but was pivotal in the Bills' offensive execution and their ultimate performance on Saturday night. An incredible play from Allen gets it to Isaiah McKenzie, and they're in business. So they're right near the end zone here, and there's three straight incompletions. But on the third on the third incompletion, there's a hold on Miami as they held Gabriel Davis in the back of the end zone. And it leaves the Bills with a decision. You're all out of timeouts. You got eight seconds. You got four yards to the end zone. What's the move? Now, eight seconds is that tricky territory because it's not short enough to just settle for the field goal, but it's not long enough to just dick around and do whatever you want. So you either got to get it right to the end zone or you got to kick the field goal. But McDermott knows he's got Josh Allen. So, of course, he sends the offense out on the field. You're not going to settle for a field goal with Josh Allen in eight seconds left, despite the fact you don't have timeouts. Take a shot at the end zone, see what you can get, and worse comes to worse, you kick the field goal, take it to half. And what we got instead (laughs) was, to me, probably a top five play of the year for these Buffalo Bills. And I think looking back on it, you really have to go back, of course, and look at all the plays and, and, you know, dial them down. But this play was insane. This play was insane. Eight seconds left, no timeouts. Josh Allen takes the snap. Once again, immediately under pressure. And this was similar to the play a few a few plays ago where he hit Isaiah McKenzie. Immediately under pressure, and he's got to fade to the right side. Right off the bat, he's, he's pointing guys around. He can tell nobody's open. Now, as he rolls to the right side, valuable seconds are ticking off of that clock. And I distinctly remember looking up at the clock, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. I remember looking up, and I saw two, two seconds, and Allen still had the ball in his hands. So, of course, right there, I come to the inevitable conclusion that this is either going to work or we're going to get nothing here, and I'm just going to be beside myself. Rolls all the way to the sideline. And the crazy thing is here, eight seconds left, he had the ball in the backfield long enough to run the clock out. That's how much time and space he bought for the offense to score this touchdown. Fading to the the sideline, falling out of bounds, numerous defenders in his face, back foot, James Cook, touchdown. I mean, you got to be kidding me. How often do you get a buzzer beater like that? Unless it's a game-winning play, just, you know, like, like the Raiders yesterday. How often do you get something like that? Because you're never in a situation, typically, before the half where you're going to run the clock out overtaking a field goal. It just doesn't happen. Unless, you know, you make a complete bonehead move. And... Would it have been boneheaded if they didn't score? Of course it would have, but it's Josh Allen, man. 
refusing. And this is, and this is what I've spoke on before in the past when it's come to those interceptions Allen's thrown this year in the red zone. You got to take the good with the bad. Because with the bad, right, that comes from him extending the play, trying to make more out of what's not there, trying to make something out of nothing, it's going to result in some picks every now and then. But with that, you also get that play right there or that similar style play, almost identical type play that he had against New England. You got to take the good with the bad. That's what you get with a creature like Josh Allen. You're going to get show-stopping plays for better or worse. And it just so happened that right before the half, you got the better end of that and what I think to be one of the best plays of the entire year. And when you get down to brass tacks, what would that game have looked like come the end of the fourth quarter if the Bills... And Josh Allen don't get that ball in James Cook's hands as time expires and they go to the half scoreless. Nothing good. I'll tell you that. Nothing good. And that just makes that play, which was extraordinarily unbelievable to begin with, that much more extraordinary. So they take the 21 to 13 lead into the half. And at this point, Allen's just already having a massive day. He's already got. What? At that point, I think he's got three touchdowns already at his disposal at halftime. Up until that point, up until that half, that was as good of a game already as Josh Allen had had in weeks, and it was already, it was only a half in. Right? That was as good of a game as Allen has had probably since the bye, and it was already a half in. So you're, you're wondering, can they sustain this type of play all the way throughout? Because that end of the first quarter into the, fir- into the end of the first half was just lights out. You go back to the, uh, to the first drive, I believe, well, their first scoring drive, right? What was that? Three plays? Four plays? They ran a dive on the first play, and it went for a couple of yards. Nothing doing there. And then... Three plays later, they're in the end zone, making it look easy. Another easy touchdown, that swing pass to Naheem Hines. Welcome to the Buffalo Bills. Excuse me. Finally, he gets in the mix in a big play. Finally. And then they capped the, the, uh, the half off with that touchdown that I was just recapping. He had three consecutive drives where the Bills offense was just finding a way to get it done. And you want to talk about, to revert back to the original point, you want to talk about separating yourself, especially when it comes playoff time. You want to talk about executing situational football. This is the difference, even though it's so marginal, right? The difference between moving on in a playoff game in, or not is that, that pass that is just incapable of being executed by anybody else in this league, maybe but Mahomes, That's the difference in a game that can decide your fate for a season. Because like I was just saying, if you don't execute that in the first half, the end result probably winds up in a loss. This is the difference you get with Josh Allen. Now let's talk about the fourth quarter. I'm going to skip the third quarter completely because God almighty, I'm in a good mood. 
Nothing about that game's gonna bring me down. But that third quarter was dog shit. That's just what the only thing I'm gonna say about that third quarter. It was awful. And it was it was <laughs> it was so uncharacteristic to what we had saw to end the half. And you're just like, of course, right? Of course. Play that well in the first half on offense, and then now all of a sudden it just hits a complete skid. And then that was capped off with the strip sack. We've already summarized what happened after that. Right? God. I'm just looking at my, my notes here, just going through here. I just I still can't believe how this ended. So we already we already summarized how we got to this point, right? The Bills are currently down 29-21. And this is where Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen, I think, blended together in a perfect harmony for one of the handful of times this season. Because I don't know how often you get the opportunity to do it. Right? Because you you have to have a quarterback like Josh Allen, right? You have to have that already. And that's, of course, an anomaly. And then you have to have a coaching staff that's willing and able to take advantage of what they have at their disposal. And that's exactly what we have. We saw happen in the fourth quarter for these bills. They allowed Josh Allen to just go because anything else would, would not have, would not have gotten the job done. They knew they were in a situation where it just had to be Josh Allen versus the world. And we've seen this so many times before. And at this point, you know, it's really your only option. You got to just let him do whatever it takes to get it done. So this is after he had already fumbled on the previous drive. He rushes on first and 10 and fumbles again, again. And Spencer Brown recovers it. Another play in this game where you're like, ball broke your way, right? Imagine the narrative. Imagine what the narrative had been had Allen have fumbled the ball away to Miami two consecutive drives. Imagine. I, I don't even want to think about it. Thank God Spencer Brown was in the vicinity and got on top of that because we would not have been treated to the extraordinary ending that we got. Before I get in that, I know I got some super chats here. Let me get back to them. Let me see here. What do I got? We got my man James coming in. He says, who scares, scares you more, Chiefs or Bengals right now? We'll get into that in a little bit, James. That's a good question because uh, both teams are getting it done just in different ways. That game yesterday for the Chiefs against uh, the Texans was <laughs> interesting to say the least. The Chiefs were 15-point favorites. Oh, God, then we got my, my main man, Nails. He's home now. He's waiting to see me. Yeah, 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 bills are good. Hop in the car. You'll see me when you see me, kid, you know? You'll see me when you see me. Let's get into this final drive. So it's already off to a rocky start, right? Oh, this isn't the final drive, by the way. I keep thinking that because it was my favorite drive of the game. But it's the second, uh, the second to last drive. So you fumble that ball, you get it back. Thank God for Spencer Brown. It's the best play he's probably ever made as a bill. 
being in the right place at the right time, recovering their own fumble. Right after that, James Cook comes alive, 16-yard rush, and now it's time to take the training wheels off, let Allen get to work. Designed run, the run of the year for J.A., his second longest rush of his career, a 44-yard banger. A 44-yard home run for Josh Allen that had this crowd back to life. Back to life after the strip sack. Dolphins up by eight. This brought the crowd back to life because you knew right then and there the Bills were in business. They had a chance to knock this up. And that run just goes to show you how valuable a guy like Josh Allen is to the team. If you don't have that capability right there, and most guys in this league don't, if you don't have that capability, this game just goes a completely different way. You saw it on the field. You know, you saw it for yourself on Saturday night. The difference between Tua and Josh Allen, right? Because Tua had numerous opportunities to close this game out, and he didn't play a bad game at all. It's just he didn't take advantage of the additional opportunities given to him to close it out, whereas Josh Allen did. And this was a play right here that really only Josh Allen could make. Designed run in that situation, and he goes the distance for 44 yards. So once again, right near the end zone, ball at the four, just like it was earlier in the game, right before the first half. And third and goal approaches once again, just like in the first half. Allen, under pressure, just like the drive in the first half. Evades it, gets rid of the ball at the perfect time, and he hits Dawson Knox, who avenges the earlier two drops. Touchdown. And it's fun to celebrate in the moment, right? And this is a weird... These these touchdowns are always weird. These scoring opportunities are always weird. Because you score, and it's huge. You needed it, but you know, all right, we're only halfway there. We're only halfway home. We have got to get the two-pointer here. And now I'm sitting in the end zone where this occurred. And I live in person, I didn't think he got it. And, of course, that was the initial ruling. Allen, on the two-point conversion, Superman dives over the pile uh, over the pile of players and the ball immediately comes out as soon as he lifts the ball over the crowd. Simultaneously it seemed like as he put it over the line it was out and they rolled a fumble. And everyone around me including myself was just like ah, it's a fumble. It just looked like live as fast as it went it looked like a fumble. And then they played the review, the replay on the stadium. And I think that moment, and there were plenty of moments during the game to get riled up about, but I think that moment was as loud as that crowd was all night. As soon as everyone looked up at the Jumbotron and saw that that ball had clearly crossed the plane about a millisecond before he fumbled it, everyone knew. Game's tied. Game's tied. Now, when I came back home to watch it on the broadcast, and I'm sure you guys noticed this, 
uh, if you watched it on TV and you weren't at the game. They rolled in a fumble and then immediately went to a commercial. So if you're watching at home, you, for at least, you know, three, four minutes, you were under the impression that no good, you know, 29-27, Bills didn't get it. And they come back from break for Bill Vinovich to come out, the head referee, and say to everybody, two point calls reverse, two-point conversion's good. But being, this was one of those moments, I think, that what makes this game, like, so much more, um, I guess, memorable for me as far as just being there. It was because there was that long period of time where they were in the commercial break and they were doing the review where everyone in that crowd knew that Allen got it, but they still, including myself, still were unable to come to terms with it until the call was actually reversed by the referee. Finally, he comes out, reverses it. Place was absolutely rocking. And it's a tie ball game. It's a tie ball game. Now, I'm just noticing that, and this is, this comes to the, this comes down to the fact that I write like a fourth grader with a crayon using his opposite hand. I flip flopped the drives earlier. And I guess that's what happens when this game had so many great moments is that you can easily confuse yourself. But I flip flopped the drives. So, what I said earlier, you know, it's like classic bot. Can you ever go a week without, you know, just ha- having an absolute brain blow? I flip-flop the drive. So the drive after the strip sack was not a drive where the Bills punted and Tyreek Hill had that catch behind the line where Teron Johnson blew it up. That drive resulted in a field goal. That's how Miami got from 26 to 29, and that's how it wound up being an eight-score or an eight-point game. Um, it was that drive, and I'm scrolling back up here because I want to make sure there was, the, on that drive in particular, it was another one of those drives where I had highlighted because there was three moments, and this is what I wanted to get at for this drive before we get into, the, uh, into what happened next. It was this drive where once again, The Dolphins were in Bill's territory on their way down into the red or towards the red zone, either in it or outside of it. Once again, another one of these moments where they get into a third and one situation. And wait, you know what? I'm going to read. Am I reading this wrong? You know what? I don't even think I flip flop this. I mean, I can't even read my own handwriting right now. The fourth quarter, that fourth quarter blended together into one gigantic anxiety attack and also one gigantic euphoric high. And that's why, that's why I'm like absolutely like m- mixing together everything right now. No, okay, I'm an idiot. Nothing new there. All of that stuff did happen that I talked about earlier, but I... All of that stuff did happen earlier, but I said they punted it, but they kicked the field goal. That's the only difference. Jesus H F. There's always one, though. You know that. All my loyal, all the loyal fanatics, you know there's always gonna be one a week. You gotta just give me my mulligan. 
So they got the field goal on that one, whatever. It's the next drive. It's the next drive where the punt occurs, of course, because that's how the Bills wind up starting the 95-yard drive for T-Bass to money it up and win this bitch. So the Bills get that two-point conversion. The, The crowd is going insane. And now when the Dolphins get the ball back, the noise the crowd was making from the uh, from the touchdown to Knox and the two-point conversion did not dwindle. It was getting even louder. It was increasing in volume when Miami got the ball and the Bills were on D, right? So first play on that drive, t- uh, first down for Miami. Se- uh, second play on that drive, first down for Miami. It winds up getting to the point where they end up punting. That's where the Bills D stood on their head. They stood tall, right? And it's in that moment where you know the Bills are going to have an opportunity with Josh Allen to get it done. Now, and also, it's also in this moment where the snow really winds up picking up. It's in this moment where it all, like earlier when I was talking about that poetic Disney-type atmosphere, it was in that moment where it just felt like you were watching an NFL films type replay, you know, where they have those beautiful cinematic shots and, you know, the narrators walking you through it. And you know, it's like an epic game because it's getting the NFL films treatment. Um, the snow's pouring down and Miami punts it. Now, if you remember correctly, and I was terrified, Naheem Hines fields the punt, but he doesn't field it like you traditionally do. He catches it with two hands. And if you go back and watch the replay, he almost catches it with his helmet. I don't think people realize how dangerously close that punt, that fielded punt was to being muffed. It was lethally close to being fumbled. But God bless Naheem Hines. He stuffed that thing into his face, Max, somehow pinned it with his hands, got it. So when the Bills kicked this drive off, they got five minutes and 56 seconds to get to work. That, to me, is probably one of the aspects of this incredible drive that gets forgotten. Because It felt like when they got the ball back, there was only two minutes left. They killed six minutes on the clock. You want to talk about learning from your mistakes, so to speak. The Chiefs game compared to this game, where every aspect of that drive, they made sure that Miami was never going to get a chance to touch that ball again. Five minutes, 56 seconds. Let's just round it up. Six minutes in a a blizzard at this point that they ended up killing. And it just felt like when they fielded the punt, there was two minutes left. In reality, there was still a third of the quarter left. And things did not get off to a good start. And this, to me, is why this game was so insane, because there were so many moments where it felt like, oh, that's going to be the dagger that screws the Bills, right? 
strip sack. Cam Lewis, I didn't even talk about this because it was in the third quarter or whatever. And I didn't want to talk about it because of how much that quarter pissed me off. Cam Lewis roughing the punter. When do you ever see roughing the punter? And that's another point back to when I was talking about this defense having a better day than people thought. On that drive where Cam Lewis roughed the punter, Bills D shut down Miami's offense and held them to fourth and 17. They started that drive right on the cusp of the of Buffalo territory. Sack Tua got them all the way into fourth and 17, and they, and they roughed the kicker. So we're talking strip sack fumble, right? Rough the kicker. Allen fumbles again, and Spencer Brown recovers it. There's just moments throughout the, wa- the deep waddle touchdown where you're just like, ah, that's, that's just, that's going to be, that's going to be one of those moments that dags the bills on this drive. What was that moment? It was the sack first and 10. There's a holding call anyway. So it wouldn't have even mattered had the bills gotten or Josh Allen gotten sacked or not. They had a beautiful first play to Gabe Davis for a first down. That's how the ball, that's how the drive kicked off. They start at the seven. They're backed up right near their own end zone. Beautiful first pass to Gabe Davis on the sidelines to kick the drive off. But the next play, Josh Allen's sack, and there's also a holding call. Miami declines the penalty. So it's second and 17. So it's second and 17. You're down to your last, you know, drive here in order to win the game in regulation. It's snowing beyond belief at this point. The visibility out on that field had to have been zero. You're backed up against your own end zone, and now you got to go 17 yards to move the sticks. He goes right back to Gabe Davis. Now, this throw was awesome because it was one of those moments where the offensive line absolutely stepped up to the plate. Allen had all day to throw on that second and 17. The throw to, da- the throw to uh, Davis probably wouldn't have gotten off had he had not had the protection that he did. And it got the Bills into third and two type territory where it was much more manageable. You go from second and 17 to third and two. Nonetheless, though, third and two, it's still third down. You're backed up near your own end zone. It's snowing like crazy. And, you know, this is do or die time. And that's where that slant to Stephon Diggs that I keep talking about throughout this show shows up again. Third and two, hits all reliable. Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. And if you go back and watch the replay, not the live replay, but the um, the uh, the additional camera angle that they showed on their own replay on the broadcast, it shows Allen's, uh, it shows uh, the angle from like the linebacker's point of view. The visibility is negative. Zero. It almost looks like Allen's squinting like this to get the ball off. So how he saw Diggs is miraculous. How Diggs saw the ball is miraculous. Third and two, first down, chains move. They rush, only get a yard. But then they run it again, and this to me is interesting. And it's also why I think that in hindsight, this is one of Ken Dorsey's best executed drives because they never bailed 
on their clear initiative to, to milk the clock while also trying to win the game at the same time. It seemed like they had a, a very clear uh, objective on this drive. Getting scoring territory, but also make sure Miami never sees the ball again. Because you run the ball on first and 10 for a yard, and typically I'd be like, no way you, you, got, no way you run the ball again here. But I think that Miami's defense probably assumes the same thing, and that's where Dorsey and Singletary burn them. You get a six-yard rush there, and it brings up another third down. Third and three, clutch from Allen. It's a short out route to McKenzie, and it doesn't seem like much, but you got to think about the situation, right? Third down, do or die, that in itself is big. Allen also throws it in such a way that it's very catchable. Allen had the wherewithal on this drive to not fire balls as hard as he can. We know he's, he tends to do this from time to time. He had the wherewithal to put some touch on the ball to make it way more catchable in these conditions. Throws a beautiful, soft pass to McKenzie. Moves the chains. And they run the ball again and again. And then it brings up another third down. And this, to me, is where, this is where, on the laundry list, I think of, of plays that the Dolphins wish they had back. I went over a few of them earlier. But on the laundry list of plays, this one's got to be near the top. It's third and six, and Miami brings the house. It was a beautifully designed blitz. It was the perfect time to do it. Third and six, they knew they couldn't run the ball again. The, the, the snow is too, is too much to settle for a field goal in that area. It would have been like a 50-some yard field goal. So they can't just run and hope to get a better field goal uh, position. They have to throw it. There was no way they'd be able to kick that field goal, at least in my opinion. 50-some yarder in those conditions, I just don't see it. Unless you're Adam Vinatieri back in the early 2000s, I, I just don't know about that one. They bring the house, Allen immediately under pressure. And he just lobs it up in the air. And that divine intervention finds its way onto the field once again for the Buffalo Bills offense in do or die two minute situational football. Flag on the field, pass interference on Miami, on Isaiah McKenzie, who is running the deep route. Now, I see Miami fans are all up in arms about this one. I've been seeing it online. It was pass interference. I hate to say it. Or I love to say it, rather. Sorry. I love to say it. It was. All the defender had to do was just nothing, really. I mean, the ball was going to be a real tough catch. It really wasn't, you know, it, 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 McKenzie would have had to have gained some serious ground in order to have caught that ball. But he held him. And he interfered with him. And he never turned around either. That was the biggest key. He never looked back at the ball. And the flag hits the field. And you go from third and six on an all-out blitz where it looked like all was lost on the 35-yard line to all of a sudden being on the 16. And that right there, folks, was the game. That was it. Miami had it, they had it, you know, at the very least going to overtime on that blitz if they didn't interfere with McKenzie.
Next play, Singletary runs, and this is where I know a lot of fantasy owners and or betters who had minus seven are upset with the motor because he runs the ball up the gut and he slides. Now, people in the stands around me thought that um, that Miami had allowed Singletary through to score. Even I at the time had thought that that was a possibility watching it live in the stadium. When I came back home and watched it on the replay, I don't think they let him through because they were trying to tackle him when he got near the first down marker. They just couldn't get to him, but he slid. And that's back to the point I was making earlier where you want to talk about learning from your mistakes. You know, in the Chiefs game, they, they knew 13 seconds. Sometimes it's just too much. It's just too much. And at that point, there was 34 seconds. And Miami had no more timeouts. Now, the next play is third and one. And, my, and Buffalo still has two timeouts. In my opinion, if I'm coaching, I would have ran it on third and one. Because at that point, Miami has no more timeouts. And in that weather, without any timeouts, 30 seconds having to go, you know, 50 yards for field goal range, if that, or, or I mean, at the minimum with that weather, a lot to ask. But they have enough faith in Tyler Bass and this special teams unit to just put the ball in their hands. So Allen takes the ball out of the gun, knee. And that's all she wrote. The best was when we were in the, we were watching uh, from the end zone there, the, uh, the immediate, you know, the immediate reaction from the Bills special teams unit to go over to where the ball was going to be snapped and held and wipe down the field in order to clear off the snow to make sure it was adequate enough to get a kickoff. And Tyler Bass, man, probably the most underrated kicker in this league. He's just been nothing but money. You can't spell Bass without two dollar signs at the end of the B.A. You just can't. And that's all she wrote. It was an extraordinary game to be at, to be a fan of, you know, to watch, and to just be on the right side of. That's a heartbreaker if you're a Dolphins fan, especially how much it hurts their postseason chances. The Miami Dolphins were 8-3 and three, three weeks ago. And now they're 8-6. and six. Currently the seventh seed in the playoffs. Who would have thought? I mean, as much as I rag on Miami just because I, you know, they pissed me off. I did not see them bowing out of the playoffs. Just seemed like their offense was too good. But it's not looking good. And it's not looking good for the Jets. And it's not looking good for the Patriots. And how quickly the narrative can flip. I tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, it, it, it's amazing how quickly things can change. This was before Cincinnati beat the Chiefs, and this was before um, there was another game we needed to have happen. Uh, there was two games we needed to have happen. Oh, and the, it was at the – it was Miami losing, too. Oh, yeah, it was, it was San Francisco beating the Dolphins, and it was um, the Bengals beating the Chiefs. I said – it's amazing how quickly things can change. The Bills can go from being the five or six seed to the one seed within a weekend here. And that's exactly what happened. And then two short weeks later, the Bills still remain the one seed. And the team that many thought 
would contend for the bill with the bills for the uh, championship in the AFC East is now barely in a playoff spot. And the bills now have a three game lead on the AFC East. It is all but one. And of course they clinched the playoffs. If you didn't already know, I'm sure you do, but that's, it's funny now. They, it's, it's funny. Clinching the playoffs now is such an afterthought. How far we've come from me taking a champagne bath when Tyler Boyd scores a touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens to propel the bills into the playoffs to end the drought. You go from that to being at the game where they make the playoffs for the fourth consecutive year. And it's, it's, it's happenstance, right? It's expected. Of course it is. Of course. That's really where you're at. I mean, like you didn't expect the bills to make the playoffs. Now it's all about the one seed. And for now they have that intact. We've been talking about this for weeks. We've known ever since the chiefs fell to the Bengals that the bills are in the driver's seat. All they got to do is drive her home. They are in control of their own destiny and have been for a bit now and continue to be as long as they take care of business. And they have done just that five straight wins. They take that into Chicago on Christmas Eve. And then to me, this could wind up really being the game of the year. Bills, Bengals, Monday night football a week from or uh, two weeks from tonight. I mean, that how big is that? I think it was James earlier asking me, who, who do I fear more right now? The Chiefs or the Bengals? It's a loaded question because I think that there is arguments for both ends of that. I'm going to give both. I think right now the Bengals are the better team. I don't, really, I don't really even know if that's, if that's a debate. Not only do they beat Kansas City, but they have been on an absolute heater. I can't remember the last time they've lost. I think they've won six of their last seven, something like that. They have been rolling. Joe Burrow looks phenomenal. Jamar Chase is back. They're moving, baby. The Bengals are for real. And just when you thought they were going to have a snoozer yesterday going down 17-0 to the Bucks, they wind up beating the living shit out of them to close things out. They scare me. Not in the sense of where I'm scared that, oh, you know, Bills aren't nearly aren't good enough to beat them. Scare me in the sense of that team's good enough to compete and beat the Bills. There's a short list of teams. And of course, it's the NFL. Any team can beat, you know, any team can beat any other team on any given weekend. We know that. But in Cincinnati on Monday night in a game that is surely going to have massive seed implications when it comes to these AFC playoffs. That game's huge. And Cincinnati right now, to me, is the second or third best team in the AFC. I'm sure many would argue the first if you wanted to. I think you, I think you could make that argument. I think you certainly could. So, yeah. Is there a bit of fear there when it comes to their capabilities? Of course. I'm not scared in the fact that, or in the sense of the Bills not being able to beat them. I'm just saying when it comes to talking about a fear factor that a team can instill in you, the Dolph or the uh, the Bengals have that fear factor, but the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. No matter if the Texans take them to overtime, or the Broncos erase a twenty-seven point deficit, come all the way back, they still win every single week. It's like the Bills. I can't rip on the Chiefs for winning the way that they do when I've been saying all along the last handful of weeks here in ugly fashion or in, you know, dramatic fashion like Saturday night. I can't get on the Chiefs for winning close games when they still end up winning them because the Bills have done the same. 
The Bills have won ugly numerous times over the last month and a half, two months. And Patrick Mahomes statistically still had a terrific day yesterday. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs, and when the Chiefs and the Bills get together, throw out anything that's happened in the past because that game's going to come down to the last series. You can bet your ass on it. So, of course, the Chiefs still scare me. And, of course, the Bengals still scare me. But this AFC in general is scary. And Luke's coming in here saying, need that one seed. I couldn't agree more. I don't don't think – I can't think of a a time where a one seed could be more valuable than right now for for these Bills or anybody in the NFL or for anybody in the AFC. I mean, think about it. Even teams that could sneak in are dangerous. Who's playing better football right now at the quarterback position than Trevor Lawrence? The Jags are a unit. That offense is for real. They're playing exceptionally well. The Jets, we've seen what they do every week. Win or lose, they're in it every week, all the way to the end, giving you everything they got. That defense is no joke. All the teams in and or around the playoff hunt are for real. The only one I don't buy at all and the only one that I'd love to somehow see in the playoffs is the Tennessee Titans. Don't buy it. They're, the the wheels are falling off the track the, the 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 truck there. They don't got it, man. Tennessee nothing about them scares me. That's a team I'd love to see in the playoffs. Outside of them though, I think every one of these teams right now in the AFC has a viable chance to do some damage in the playoffs. And that's why that one seat is critical. And that's why you can't overlook a team like Chicago coming up here on Saturday. Listen, Chicago, you know, they're, they're still towards the bottom of the league. That's for sure. Record indicates it. Play on the field oftentimes indicates it. But Justin Fields is the real deal. That dude is one hell of an athlete, one hell of a quarterback. And he's really coming into his own. And you saw yesterday against the Philadelphia Eagles team with only one loss. Bears played them right up to the end. And Justin Fields had a terrific day, or at least terrific to the standard in which the, the Bears have for quarterbacks. But I think ultimately, when it comes to any quarterback, Justin Fields had a remarkable day yesterday on the ground. There's really nobody running the ball better on the ground right now at the quarterback position than Justin Fields. He's doing it in an electrifying way. And that team is definitely one that if you look past, you're going to get burnt. Philly almost did it yesterday. They found a way to squeeze it out in the end. But that game was competitive the entire way. And I think it's going to be competitive this coming Saturday. The Bills opened up as 10-point favorites. That line's already down to 8.5. I thought 10 was way too big. It's in Chicago. A snowstorm, a massive snowstorm. It's supposed to hit Chicago come Friday. Luckily, it's missing uh, the area on Saturday, or at least it's supposed to. That game's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be a hell of a game. It's a lot It's a lot uh, tighter, I think, than it looks on paper. Chicago's a better team than, uh, than, than meets the eye. And then it's the Bengals, and then you close up shop with New England, who just got to touch on that real quick. That was... That was the most insane play I have. I mean, I don't want to be hyperbolic or a prisoner of the moment because there's been some amazing plays I've seen in my life, but I don't know how you can possibly top winning a game 
on a 20 yard backward lateral where your defensive lineman picks it off in the air, truck sticks Mac Jones into the depths of the earth, and house calls it. That was one of the most miraculous endings I have ever seen in any sport. I, 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 you want to know what I was doing? I laughed my ass off. I, and I, I got a buddy of mine, my buddy Ram, he can attest to this because he called me. And we sat on the phone and probably we laughed to the point of tears for probably 10 straight minutes. It was so, I could, I, it, what I had just witnessed was so unfathomable that I, I was result, I, I was driven to, to laughter. It, 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 none of it made sense. First of all, why was New England doing that? It was tied. It wasn't like they were down a touchdown and they absolutely had to get in the end zone or the game was over. They're running, they're running the Stanford band hook and ladder at the end of the game where it's a tie ball game and you can just take a knee and go to, the, go to overtime. But not only that, you're throwing a backwards lateral 20 yards back towards the other end zone to Mac Jones. I mean, you might as well be throwing it to Belichick. Mac Jones isn't going to do anything with that ball. He can't move. And the fact that, the fact that he got truck stick stiff-armed into the ground on top of all of that was just the unbelievable top-notch icing on the cake. That play, like, if you're a Bills fan or an AFC, you know, East fan, AFC fan of a team that was just owned, dominated by the Patriots for so long, that was just orgasmic. There's no other way to put it. It's kind of like when Miami had the the uh, hook and ladder way back in the day where Gronk was playing safety for some God forsaken reason. Gronkowski didn't have the angle. We all remember that one. That was that yesterday times a hundred because when Miami scored that touchdown, they were down by more than a field goal or at least down at least a field goal, not in field goal position. Either way, they had to score in, in regulation to keep the game going or win it. And the offense was the one that executed it. And you ran by Gronk, who for to this day, I have no explanation for it, was playing safety. In this one, you throw a 20-yard backward lateral, and Chandler Jones, who was a former Patriot, is standing right there. It just falls in his lap. He turns around. Mac Jones is staring him in his grill, and he puts him into the earth. Puts some six feet under the ground and takes it the distance. That play was unbelievable. I'll never forget that one. Legendary. And it was also just one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I have rewatched Mac Jones and God bless Mac Jones. I'm starting to feel bad for him. I mean, he, he seems like a nice enough guy. I'd, I'd probably like him if he wasn't a, a Patriot, truth be told. You know, the, the, the fact that they, they got no help around him, really. And you got Matt Patricia calling the plays out there. And it just looks like the poor kid is just hating, hating everything about his career right now. 
it seems like every time they pan to him, he is yelling at somebody on the sidelines. And I can't blame him. You got a D coordinator calling your plays. And the poor guy gets erased from the planet by Chandler Jones and then has to lay on the ground and watch him run 50 yards to the house on a backwards lateral that their own team gifted the Raiders on a series in which they didn't need to score. It was all time. You want to talk about like, you know, if they ever have to go through and play the montage of most incredible NFL plays, that will be there every time. Jeff King saying he didn't even try, but he got punked. Listen, Jeff, you got Matt Jones squaring off with Chandler Jones, okay? <laughs> Matt Jones isn't winning that, that battle. If he, if he was given the, what's the juicy drink in Nazis uh, in the COD zombies there? What is it, Juggernog or something like that? He wouldn't win that battle if if Bruce Banner walked onto the middle of the field, inserted himself into Mac Jones' soul, and became the Incredible Hulk. Chandler Jones is going to erase Mac Jones every single time. I mean, I get what you're saying. I think the effort, you could have maybe sold it a bit more. Chandler Jones just did him so dirty, man. He 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 pretty much did what Derrick Henry did to Josh Norman uh, in the Bills Titans game a couple years ago, but in a much more dramatic and, and electrifying way. Just just un unbelievable. Ah, oh, so that's that, folks. That's that. Eleven and three. And you look back at when the, you know, how the season started, how it's, you know, went post by. And I keep saying this, you would have signed up for it. You would have signed up for 11 and three, right? You would have, I know I would have. If somebody came to you preseason and said, Hey, going into week 16, would you sign up for the bills being 11 and three, three game lead in the AFC East and current hold of the one seat in the AFC? Where do I sign? Do you have a pen? And it's looking promising. It's looking promising. The key here, you cannot overlook the Bears. You know, you know that you know the age-old uh, cliche, the trap game. That's a trap game. Don't fall into the trap. Before we close up shop tonight, I want to round out my talk on Josh Allen's performance the other night because we talked about those two drives uh, in 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 depth, mainly because those were the two biggest drives of the game or the three drives, rather the one right before the half and the two final drives for the bills offense. But I want to talk about Josh Allen's overall game and what that might mean for him personally moving forward, because look, he doesn't care about the MVP. I, I don't particularly care about the MVP. I care about winning the Super Bowl. Allen cares about winning the Super Bowl. That's all the bills care about. But you would be lying to yourself if, if, if you didn't think Allen winning the Super Bowl wouldn't just be so cool for so many reasons. For us fans, for him, and for this franchise. I mean, to know that you, not, not that we need a, you know, reassurance, right? But to have Allen 
solidify himself as MVP. You know, you can never take that away to have that cemented in his legacy and in this franchise's legacy. It would be huge. And I know he's fallen down the ranks a bit for sure, especially in the betting odds. He went from number one. Now he's fallen to three. Saturday night is as much of an MVP performance as you'll ever see, whether he wins it or not. Do I think he's going to win it? Potentially. And I'll get into that in a second. But even if he doesn't, and even if he never does, it's nights like that that show you that trophy or not, you got an MVP caliber quarterback, man in the ship for this Buffalo Bills team, and you're always going to have an opportunity to win the game. I don't really know. I mean, it, it really, to me, in my mind, it just it's Mahomes, and, and, and that's it when it comes to a game like the other night as far as, you know, a quarterback winning that game the way the Bills did. Uh, it, it was just unearthly. It, it truly was. The series before the half, the running, the final two drives. I tweeted this out earlier, and I thought it was a great way to put it. I love Colin Coward. I listen to him all the time. You guys know that, even though I know it's, you know, I know he, I, I know uh, everybody gets on Colin because he, uh, he he's had certain takes about the Bills in the past, but hey, we all have a right to be wrong and change our mind or whatever. I'm listening to Coward earlier, and he said, the fourth quarter from Josh Allen he was talking about, he goes, that was one of the most impressive performances by a human being in an NFL game he's ever seen. And it truly was. It, the point in that, in that statement is exactly what I just said. There's very few human beings on the planet, if Allen even is a human being at all. I think the jury's still out on that. But there's very few human beings on the planet who are capable of doing all the things that were necessary in that game to win it. The back, the back foot throws on the run in the snow to move the chains. The running ability, 77 yards on the ground. The ability to leap over the pile, get it into the end zone. The ability to buy time for your for your receivers to get open and get in the end zone and score. The ability to drive 90-some yards in a blizzard. I think the only two people in the league and maybe in existence that could do it the way that Allen just did it is Allen and Mahomes. And even Mahomes, I don't think he can run the 44-yarder like Allen did. I just don't think he can. He can move. He can run, but not like that. I mean, Allen is a legitimate human ox who also has the speed of a track runner. He's outrunning safeties and corners whose literal job is to be faster than the guy ahead of you so you can keep up with him. And Allen is outrunning them. You just don't see that. Or at least you don't see that in addition to the ability to throw the ball away he does. And it's just incredible. And when we're talking about the MVP, he might not win it. But Saturday night was as much of an MVP performance as you'll ever see. And I tweeted out that, you know, he might not win it, but that right there, folks, is what MVP football is. But then I, I've had some time to stew on it. And I had some time to kind of watch what's happened over the weekend here 
And I also had some time to kind of look ahead and, and see what the possibilities could be. I'm not ruling Allen out of the MVP. I wanted to just end with this because it's a, it's a thought that I had that I think is worth talking about because I think that all hope might have gotten lost for a bit during that stretch where Allen was struggling or at least you know not playing up to his potential and that he might have lost his chance to win it. I'm, not, I'm no longer as down on the ability to win it as I was a couple of weeks ago for a couple of reasons. One, the memory on these voters for the MVP is way shorter than you think. How you end the season means infinitely more than how you started it. Infinitely more. But it helps, of course, if you had consistently good play throughout. And I think you look at Allen's beginning of the year, it was extraordinary. His middle of the year, average. Now you got the tail end. And what matters more in the NFL than December and January? And so far in, the, in November and December, or the tail end of November and early December here, the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen are undefeated. And Josh Allen in prime time at home in front of a national audience against an arch rival in a do-or-die game that meant an extraordinary amount for the playoffs, delivered the best performance of the weekend by a quarterback. Delivered a lights-out, epic, one-for-the-ages performance. And now Jalen Hurts is injured. He might not play this weekend. And we all know what happens when it comes to the MVP votes. If you get injured, like we were talking about earlier with Evan, like Carson Wentz, he was the surefire MVP back in 2017, got injured. Lost it. Now, he got injured way earlier in the season. But if Hurts can't play for a game or two, you can probably kiss that MVP goodbye. Because like I just said, the memory on these guys for voting, it's very short. And what you do towards the end here is going to matter a hell of a lot more. If Allen can string together three more performances like you just saw Saturday night, he's going to be right there. Right there. Might not win it. But you'll be damn sure he's going to be right there. He's going to make it tough on those voters. The key game. And this is just, you know, everything aside, I'm talking strictly about Allen MVP. Because, look, we can, he can say he doesn't care. We can say we don't care. But we know we want him to win it. Duh. Be awesome. The key game, the key moment for Allen to get permanently back into the conversation two weeks from tonight, Monday night. Why? Prime time. Everybody's watching. Everybody knows those games mean way more when it comes to the MVP. Two, it's on the road in a hostile environment against a playoff team, against the former AFC representative in the Super Bowl. And it's against a team that could potentially be fighting with the Bills for a top spot in the AFC playoffs. Against Joe Burrow. We all know how the matchups are set. It's never the Bills versus the Bengals. It's Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. If Josh Allen outduels Joe Burrow and gives a lights-out performance like we saw Saturday night, you bet your bottom dollar he's going to be right back in that MVP conversation and very well could win it if he ends the season the way he had it going for him Saturday night. Just an incredible night. Never forget it just because of all the amazing just all the amazing different elements of that game all coming together and then the snow to cap it off. It truly was extraordinary. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, man. It was awesome. But, hey, what's done is done. 
What needed to be done got done. This team started off 0-2 in the AFC East, and look what they've done now. Look what them boys have done now. Three consecutive wins in that AFC East, 3-2 and two now with one more to go against the Patriots and the way things have been going for them. You can lock that one in, in my opinion, unless for, un- for unforeseen circumstances, the Bills are in a position to sit their starters the final week. I doubt that. That would probably mean the Chiefs either leap the Bills, don't even want to talk about that, or the Chiefs find a way to slip up and the Bills get an extra game and then they can sit them. I'll talk about that. That'd be cool. But either way, you go from 0-2 in the AFC East to more than likely 4-2 in the AFC East. Just goes to show you, man, no matter how they've got it done, they've got it done. And you're not only talking about AFC East opponents, divisional opponents, which we all know are tougher games no matter how good the team is. We all know those are tougher games. Not only have you won those, but you also won those against teams in which are also either playoff teams or right on the cusp. These guys are no joke, and they're all different. Patriots defense can sneak up on you. The coaching can sneak up on you. They can get you. We saw it last year in the win game. I know the circumstances were out of whack, but they were out coached that night. Everybody knows it. The Jets, their defense, took it to us in the first matchup. We know what can happen there. And then Miami. We know they got a serviceable defense themselves and a lights-out offense when they're clicking. Bills beat all three back-to-back-to-back. Not to mention that extraordinary win over the Lions, which I'm not kidding you, man. You're going to look back at this season, I think, and realize that that win over the Lions was probably one of the best wins of the year. This Lions team is just no joke, man. And I have, I have like the utmost respect and uh and expectations for them moving forward, not only this season, but into next year, I think with the NFC kind of dwindling off the way it has been, the the Lions are going to be there, man. They're going to be there. And I love Dan Campbell. I don't know how you couldn't. I hope he wins coach of the year. If they continue to win and make the playoffs, he's going to win it. And that'd be awesome. That dude's awesome. But you're going to look back on that. Hell, you can look back on that right now. That game was massive. The Bills are the only team to have beat them in about the last two months. So you want to talk about being ready for the playoffs. <laughs> Even if you have the bye, you're still going to have to win three straight. The Bills have just won five straight. And you could argue four of them are against playoff teams. Not bad in my book. Speaking of books, we're closing this book up tonight. Holy mother of Mary, two hours and 16 minutes in the books, and I'm glad you spent them with me. Of course you did. After a win like that, you got to come and celebrate with your boy Z-Bot here on the smoke break. But I appreciate you nonetheless for doing it. Make sure to head over to my Twitter, at Z-Bot Tweets. I would love, out of all the people entering the giveaway, I love for the loyal smoke break listeners to be a winner. So make sure to go over to my Twitter, retweet that giveaway, get in on that. And like I mentioned, all week long, it is the holiday giveaway week with Z-Bot Claws. Bot Claws, Santa Bot, come get some free Bills merch, courtesy of your boy. Oh, that was great. I I couldn't wait to talk about that game, man. I even told my man, speaking of which, back shout out to uh, Don and Harrison, but I told him, I go, I can't wait for Monday, boys. I can't wait for Monday. That's a game that I, I, I want to waste no time talking about. I'm still fired up. Look at me go. All right. Hey. 
Thanks so much. Back at it again next Monday. I know it's the holiday weekend, but we still got ball to talk about. Let's get it done Christmas Eve against those pesky Chicago Bears. I won't see you till then, though. So, hey, happy holidays for those who celebrate Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. And for the Christmas day coming up on Sunday, a very Merry Christmas to you and yours. Very, very Merry Christmas. Enjoy it, guys. Enjoy the Bills on Saturday and then enjoy the time with family on Sunday. It's the best time of the year. Let's get an early present from J.A. and the boys. Merry Christmas, everybody. And as always, go Bills. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.